Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is On Democracy with F.P. Wellman. I am F.P. Wellman. This is Fred Wellman. You're in the right place. Welcome if you're just discovering the show because you are on the Midas Touch Network, which we are now on our third show on the Midas Touch Network. We're thrilled to be in great company. Great to have people watching this show. <laughs> Matt, the producer's back here. He's happy. We feel the pressure now. We got to actually produce a good show because Matt's, he hasn't been doing a great job till now, but now, <laughs> now he's getting his shit together. But nonetheless, <laughs> Nonetheless, here we are. We got a great show. I'm so excited about this show. You know, we got some really cool stuff going on in the world. It was a crazy week. I'm not going to waste any time. Although, I guess technically I did, right, man? Anyway, anyway let's get on with the show. Oh, uh, once again, as I said, once already, twice, three times, perhaps. I don't know. I am Fred Wellen. This is On Democracy with F.P. Wellen. You're in the right place. So excited for this week's show. As you know, uh, for those of you who are first-time viewers, this is the show we talk about the issues surrounding our democracy, uh, the threats to our democracy, you know, and the pillars and institutions that go on that. And that's why I think this week's show is so cool. Um, you know, last week we had former CIS officer John Cipher on the show to you know, tapping his vast knowledge of the intelligence system and that institution, the lessons he's learned over 28 years defending the United States. Well, this week we're switching gears a little bit. Um, I want to get to a topic that really, interestingly enough, is at the center of all these issues. I think I think if I look back at the, the 29 or so shows, we, I don't know how many there are now, Matt, I think 30 shows this season. Yeah, like 30 shows this season. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about the pillars of the democracy, the, you know, the judiciary and the Congress and the executive branch and all that stuff. But, you know, there's one thing thread that goes through all of it, right? And that's children's rights to children's issues, children's rights to health, education, their future. And it's constantly being debated and attacked. And there's a lot of people in the fight. Uh, something I learned just recently, is there's really no one who's just fighting for the kids specifically. And that's their J-O-B and that's what they're doing. So that's why I'm excited to have Dr. Annie Andrews and Renee Harvey here to the sh- uh, welcome them to the show with their new mission, their new organization, Their Future, Our Vote. Ladies, welcome. Read your. I, I got to read a little bit of bio. So I don't want to read your entire Wikipedia page, but Dr. Annie Andrews is a pediatrician and mom who has dedicated her career to fighting for a brighter future for all children. After working as a pediatrician at the Children's Hospital in Charleston, South Carolina, for over a decade, she decided to run for Congress, which is a very bold move. Annie, <laughs> give children a voice in Washington D.C. She was the Democratic nominee in South Carolina's first congressional district in 2022. She ran against Nancy Mace. We're going to talk about that. <laughs> Renee, her partner in crime, who I've really gotten to know in the last few months. I'm so thrilled to know her as fundraised for several Democratic candidates at the state and federal level. Served as Charleston County Democratic Party finance chair. Lots of boards. She started a nonprofit, which was amazing during the pandemic. Most recently, she was the finance director for Annie's campaign. And now, now she's the executive director and co-founder of, as I mentioned, uh, Their Future, Our Vote. Ladies. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you together. I think I, this is our first two guests up here. This is the first man. We're really, we're 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 like cracking the code now. <laughs> so uh, thanks for coming, ladies. I'm excited to have you on the show. Welcome to On Democracy. Thank you so much for having us, friend. Happy to be it. here. Love it, love it. So, man, um, I think I mentioned to you in our pre-show that you know I talk. I always start the show off the same way. I I like my guests to kind of talk about the journey they got to. We talked about it a little bit, especially with you, Annie, um, your journey from pediatrician to Congress. But I'd love to hear in your own words. I mean, how do you go from taking care of children in a children's hospital to running for Congress and now running the pack? Yeah, great question. Thanks for having us. Um, I never in a million years thought that I would run for Congress. I was never particularly even interested in politics. I decided to be a doctor when I was four (laughs) and I love my job as a pediatrician. I really do. It is the most rewarding 
in career, but I've spent almost 15 years working in children's hospitals. And when you do that, you come face to face with all of the problems our children and their families are facing. And then I started to connect the dots between the problems my patients were facing and what's happening in our state capitals and what's happening in Washington, DC. And it became clear to me that I could have a bigger impact Um, If I just, you know, take my fight to Washington, I knew kids needed a voice in D.C. And that's why I decided to run for Congress last cycle. I love it. And Renee, you've tagged along and you've you've been working as an operative like me. You've been a consultant, a fundraiser. Um, You know, you're you're from South Carolina, I believe, right? You're from you're both in Charleston right now. Uh, You know, Renee, what, what was the journey that took you from this to starting a PAC to focus on children? So I was born and raised in Charleston, a family full of Democrats. Um was never particularly political. And uh, then we had the matchup between Hillary and Donald Trump. And I think at that time I realized that it was uh, no longer okay to be silent. Uh, So I got involved in any way that I could, starting with the Charleston County Democratic Party. Uh, Did a lot of bundling for Joe Cunningham, raised some money for some state candidates, Um, But I think that was when it became clear to me that this was my calling. Spent some time in the private sector um, and it provides a pretty cush lifestyle, you know, working in the private sector. Nobody does this to get rich. Yeah. Um, The great myth that this this, is is your pathway to riches. I think this is a lot more rewarding than than anything in the private sector. Yeah, I love it. And I, and that's why I want to ask, you, you know, is that we, we do get a lot of, you know, the professionals and the candidates and, 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 and you're the story, like my story, like you came into it from the back door. I was a PR guy. Right. And then this weirdo named Steve Schmidt called me and here we are in politics. Right. And, and it is a calling and, and you're right. You could do a lot better in the private side. It's so funny how often people tell me, oh man, you know, you political guys are getting rich. Like, oh bro, I got bad news for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. That's not how it actually works. <laughs> uh, but cool. You know, I'm glad you think that, you know, I was looking, as we were preparing for the show, we, I, I looked at what you guys are doing, and I'm thrilled. Congratulations on the launch last week. It's exciting. You're, uh, I always tell people we're running packs. The key is getting the ship in the water, right, and, 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 and see if it's seaworthy. <laughs> I, think, I think you've got it upright. It's in Charleston Harbor. Nobody's shooting at it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I've been there. It's a lovely harbor. Um, I, I was going through your website and looking at some things you're doing, and, and, and you've got six main focus areas. And I think that'll guide our conversation. Um, you, you're, you, so for those of you who are new, that they've got a wonderful website. You can look, check it out. We'll, we'll, we'll promo at the end. Matt, Matt's going to do a pop-up. We'll put the website on there. Um, but you've got six areas. You've got climate change, uh, quality education, accessible health care, sensible gun legislation. You want to reduce hunger and poverty and democracy and voting rights. So... I'm glad you guys aren't overly ambitious, <laughs> taking on some super easy targets. Uh, you know, you know, you know, one of the biggest issues I address here on the show is the state of our institutions that are the pillars of our democracy. I think I mentioned at the top of the show. Right. And it feels like in a lot of ways, the institutions that should be protecting and supporting our children. Uh, maybe not. Or 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 or. or the lines have become blurred, so the interests of the children are 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 are, are caught in the wash, right? So, in in, in your in, in, is that where is that where you guys are going? I mean, why did you do this? Why did you pick this mission, Annie? Why do you want to um, focus on children? And what makes you a little bit different than anything else out there? And you and I had a conversation about this, but I want to hear in your words, like, why did you pick this specific mission and this approach to these six pillars? 
because kids don't have a voice in Washington, D.C. I mean, there are some wonderful policy groups and advocacy groups working in D.C., but those groups don't also bring political muscle. And that that became really apparent to me as a pediatrician and candidate for Congress, that there was not one unifying group that supported candidates that were willing to put kids first. I believe that kids' issues should not be partisan. Kids are not partisan. We should all be able to agree that we want what's best, best for the next generation, for our kids, for our future grandkids. And that should be like a great unifying idea. Essentially, everything that's discussed day to day in Washington, D.C. affects our kids. And our job as an organization is to connect those dots between what's happening on the news and what we see in the lives of our children and in our communities and help people understand that when they walk into the voting booth, if they care about their kids, they need to think about that and think about which candidates actually support our kids. Do you think there's a blending, Renee, though, of... Right. It's uh, it's something I had. I had John Cypher on last week. He's a CIA officer. And one thing I highlight a lot is the, the example would be January 6th, uh, where both Brian Sicknick, the, the Capitol Police officer who died, and uh, Ashley Babbitt, the insurrectionist who died, both thought they were doing the right thing for the country. Right. They both thought they were adhering to the oath. They both both of them were Air Force veterans. Renee, do you think sometimes that's a children issues, right? Like uh, 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 some of these groups like the Moms for Liberty, if you will, or others, they, they're, they're doing the right thing for kids. They're protecting their innocence when they get rid of these. Porn- so um, how do you how do you fight that? How do you fight the idea that the actual issue, I guess, suppose I'm answering my question in some ways is the kids don't get a vote in that. Right. I mean, it, is that the battle you face, Renee, when you say, you take on these kinds of issues? Yeah. Uh- Fred, I think you I think you nailed it. Like I don't know any parents or grandparents that would knowingly harm their children. Right. But I, I do think that there is one party who is following the science um behind a lot of these issues, and that is not the Republican Party. Um and so I I think, you know, because of that children then become this, you know, this pawn. political pawn, this partisan right. issue. Right. But there is one party interested in their well-being and it's not the Republican Party. Yeah. Yeah. And and this goes all the way up and down. Right. I mean, I think I mean, just uh, yes. And that goes to the next issue, the health care. And I, I think I think we were talking recently. I think, Annie, when you know, I, the first one of the first times we talked, you talked about the issue of transgender health care and gender affirming health care because you've been inside the hospital from the fallout right of of when gender affirming care isn't available right and and just today your former opponent nancy mace or i guess last week technically <laughs> you know nancy mace was saying how uh, i guess the house just tried to pass a bill or passed a bill i guess uh banning transgender you know biological stuff it, it just i don't even want to get into it because it's just so effing ridiculous right um you've been inside the hospital wards you've been on the wing with kids who are struggling with their gender um you know Access to health care does mean access to gender affirming care. It does mean access to abortion care. Right. And where have you you've witnessed the fallout of this? What does that look like from the eyes of a pediatrician? Yeah, so we could talk about health care access for an entire episode, but yep. specifically on the trans issue. People have to understand that gender affirming care is evidence based and supported by all of the major medical organizations in this country. And it's not new. It's just a new political game for the Republican Party. Right. I take care of trans kids when they show up in the hospital after they have tried to kill themselves because they do not have a supportive adult in their lives. Or in the case of my district, they have a representative who is using them in their political games and bullying them. Yeah. 
I'm a pediatrician and a mom of three, and I ran for Congress to fight for kids. And the first attack that Nancy Mace hit at me was that I am a child abuser because I support gender affirming care. And that is about as dirty as politics can get, in my opinion. Yeah. And it's just disgusting. And she's still and going. Despite what the Republican Party would have you believe, there are no little boys who want to transition to be little girls so that they can play women's sports. Right. That's not happening. Right. You know, Right. And so this access to healthcare issue does affect these children, does affect teenagers here in Missouri, where I'm located, as you know, I'm a red state. It's a huge issue right now as they're attacking it. My, my God, the, the attorney general of the state last week. It's so fucked up. <laughs> the attorney general of the state last week set up a, a, a hotline, a, a reporting form website so people can report, you know, inappropriate care for tra transgender care. It's just basically a snitch line. It's fucking terrifying, right? And so that is circling back to the, the bullet on your website, which is access to healthcare for children, starts there. But it does also include, right, the, the right to have privacy, even as a teenager, the, the right to have, you know, not have to be fear. fear. Uh, another issue that's come up um, is abortion access. Um, I don't know if you guys saw, there was a woman who testified in Ohio about the 10-year-old girl who got pregnant from an uh, a rape and went to Indiana for a abortion, and and this woman said on camera that that it's it's while she's ten, a, a ten year old woman's body can carry a woman's body's built to carry a child. Uh, you know, you've treated ten year olds. Is a is a ten year old child ready to have children? Annie, I mean, no. No. and any pediatrician and any sane human being could tell you that a 10 year old is not a woman. That is right. a little girl. I'm the parent of an 11 year old little girl. And all of these things you're describing is one of the reasons that I ran. And one of the reasons we're starting this organization, because right. the Republican party, not only are they not fighting for our kids, they're now actually harming our children by using them in these political games. And to me, like, that has to stop. We have to take back this narrative and let people and parents and grandparents who truly do care about children understand who it is that is fighting for the best interests of their children, because there is nothing below using children in political games. And we're seeing that day in and day out in states all across this country. Yeah, I think here in Missouri, uh, I believe there was 18 bills uh, fielded about transgender youth and sports uh, in the history of the state. I think they've recorded three kids in the yeah. entire, you know, 200 years of the state existing, three kids tried to play sports. And so there's literally more bills than there are kids who want to play. It's an easy issue. And it's something we talk about a lot here. And, and, and before, well, we'll go right to the, I, I will, I'll, actually, I'll take, I'll, I'll park that. Because the next issue, of course, is we have a 16-year-old young man in Kansas City. Missouri just seems to be in the middle of a lot of, Matt, what's the deal with our state, dude? We're, we seem to be in the middle of all this <laughs> shitty stuff. Six-year-old boy, a boy again, who knocked on the wrong door, picking his kids, his, 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 his twin kids at right, gets shot in the head through the door by an 84-year-old man we've just found out now has been ruminating in the Fox OAN stew uh, scared of the world and shot this young man at his door because he felt threatened. Um, so you're, one of your pillars is sensible gun legislation. Well, Renee, what do you, what do you, when you envision sensible gun legislation as it applies to children, what, what's your views? On, I mean, obviously it's a huge issue with January Z, Gen, uh, Generation Z. What are you guys thinking when you, when you define that? I mean, Fred, I don't, you don't have to be a doctor to know that we have a gun problem yeah. in this country. Yeah. <clears throat> um, 
And it's become so bad that, you know, we get shooting news alerts every single day, every day. And we don't really even think much of it anymore. Um, But there are simple things that we can do to make getting guns harder. Nobody should be able to walk into a store and purchase a gun in, in a matter of minutes. And that's, that's the kinds of things that you're able to do. Red flag laws, mm-hmm. um, AR-15, nobody needs these weapons. Like they do not belong on the streets. You do not use them to hunt. I don't care what anybody says. Um, if, if a state's response to fixing these problems is to send parents identity kits for their children. Yeah. We are beyond fucked up. <laughs> I'm with you. So, you know, and, and go ahead. And, and, I, and I, you know, that's the thing, right? We we know that these, that we know our kids are mad about this. This was what led to the Tennessee three, right? It was actually a protest about three nine-year-olds being slaughtered in their school and, 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 and three teachers. We had, I was very fortunate to have Chris Brown who runs Brady on about three shows ago. And she's lovely. If you guys don't know her, I'm going to make that introduction yes. because, okay, Chris is, um, Gosh, she's a great American. And 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 that and one of their programs is End Family Fire, which I think we even talked about. Um, and the idea that, you know, access to a gun, more kids are getting killed by accidental, you know, access to guns. It is a healthcare issue. Annie, what's the numbers? I, I, it's my understanding, right, that the guns are the number one killer of our youth now, right? Yes, absolutely. In my life before running for Congress, I was a pediatrician and a gun violence prevention researcher. And we published a paper that showed that gun violence is now the leading cause of death for children in this country. And that is a shame on all of us that every single one of those deaths is preventable. And I think one of the things Renee was getting to is there are like common sense solutions Mm -hmm. that the majority of Americans agree we should implement. Universal background checks being Mm -hmm. the first thing we need to do. Over 90% of Americans, Republicans, Democrats, gun owners, non-gun owners agree that we need universal background checks. And the only place we can't come to any kind of consensus is in the halls of the U.S. Congress. And we need to get to work and Chris Brown is incredible and she's doing some amazing work as are many organizations, but we have to get serious. Our lawmakers are not representing us on this issue. We need universal background checks. We need federal secure storage law. We need increased funding for gun violence prevention research, hospital and community-based violence intervention programs and red flag laws. And I am so so proud of everything I've seen coming out of Gen Z after Tennessee and before that. And it is incredibly inspiring, but damn, like shame on us for putting it on the shoulders of children to fight for their own safety in school. Which is why I'm excited about the idea, right? The idea that we're going to, we're going to have someone be their voice, right? And this this is such a key issue is like, hold on, we're the the ones getting shot here, right? It's, it's, it's Mm -hmm. the kids are getting shot. Um, It's, it's time. And obviously, they're they're pissed. I mean, I I've I can I have my own Gen Zers. Um, I have uh, I've, I've been fortunate to have a couple of great groups. I'm a senior advisor for a, a Voters of Tomorrow, which is a wonderful group of of young men and women who are fighting for their rights. And 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 the gun violence is such a key. It is the thread from Sandy Hook to now, from from Columbine to now. This is what this generation, this new generation, is growing up with. Uh, so it's mm-hmm. it's got to be a key pillar. And I really appreciate that. Now. Having said that, another one we talk about uh, quite a bit in the top topic in the country is the education pillar of your or of your movement. And uh, back to Missouri again, my God, <laughs> um, you know, the, the fake CRT and, and, and they've managed to create that whole hysteria. But now it's also translating into other things, right? We're having book bans growing across the country. We're having uh, the, the, the curriculum is being questioned. We have teachers having to self-police themselves. How do you guys see the education pillar of your movement 
and and what is the approach it take to you know I don't know what the right answer is you know because it's one of those examples of an area where that language we talked about at the beginning of the hour with the right doing such a brilliant job of saying well it's parents rights you know <laughs> okay and 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 I think maybe the answer is children's rights the children's right to have an education um, what are the kind of threats you see to the education system that we're, you should worry about and, and need to be fought. I'm a proud parent of three public school kids. And I think the first thing we should acknowledge is like, we could be having a real conversation about our public education system in this country, because we know there are so many areas of this country where we could do so much better. We need to increase teacher pay. Every child deserves access to a quality education. But instead of talking about our actual education system, we're talking about things like book bans and teachers having to out kids and parents' bill of rights. Let me tell you the number of emails I get from my children's school on a daily basis. I have so much access to what is going on in that building. Like yeah. it is insane. So parents yeah. have rights and we have always had a yeah. say on all these people, all these, all these lawmakers like Tim Scott, who talk about parents bill of rights. Like when has that man ever stepped into a school building? If not for a photo op, when has that man ever looked on a school's website where so much information about the curricula is available? Right. Like the conversation is so disjointed from reality, it is maddening because we do have real problems in our public education system, but we're distracted by all this nonsense that the right keeps bringing up. And that's a great way to put it too, is how do we, um, a part of your challenge, I think for you guys, as you build this and, and all of us who are on our side, uh, is is creating the language and, and, and fighting the language barriers that the way they twist it right now. Anything the CRT mm-hmm. hysteria now is getting rid of here, here, here in uh, Rockwood School District is is where my, uh, my girlfriend's kids go to school. And they elected some Moms for Liberty candidates last cycle, mm-hmm. not this one, thank God, they all lost this cycle, but last cycle, their first act was to do away with all the DEI funding programs because they didn't actually service all of the children, just if just a select few, <laughs> um, you know, and, and that really puts us in a trick, right, where um, the battle battle rages over these fake words. Now, having said that, the voucher system, Arkansas, of course, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the governor there, has, has, has flagged a huge voucher program. Renee, have you dealt with the voucher issue and how that's going to undermine our public schools or how do you guys see that a fight for you? Right. I don't I mean, I don't I don't have children, so I'm not up to date on what schools or private schools here are costing. But I think that South Carolina was proposing seventy five hundred dollar vouchers or something to that effect. I can tell you that no private school in Charleston, South Carolina costs seventy five hundred dollars to attend. Um, They are far more expensive than that. We have Ashley Hall. We have Porter Gowd. But these are like. This is like the cost of a college education here. So what people are going to do with a $7,500 voucher, I have no clue. But they're not going to send their child to a private school in in Charleston, South Carolina. That I can tell you. And I think one of the fights we deal with here in Missouri, my good friend Jess Piper, is uh, she was a former teacher. You know Jess. I'm sure you know Jess. Everybody loves Jess. Um, We haven't had Jess on the show yet, Matt. Matt, mark that down. We got to get Jess on the show. (laughs) Um, I don't know what he does back there. He doesn't take notes or anything. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, having said all that, um, by the way, that's not true. I don't want to <laughs> Having said that, um, so Jess is, a, Jess is a rural teacher. And one of the things she talks about quite a bit in this voucher game is that where they are in rural uh, northwest Missouri, there aren't any goddamn private schools. Uh, the voucher system design, you nailed it, actually, Renee. The voucher system is the homeschool, the homeschool people or, or just to defund the public school, right? It's, it's, it's the it's selective exactly defunding. Right. Like, it, it, the, the great example is, hey, I don't go to the park. 
So I shouldn't have to pay for it. I should get a park voucher, right? <laughs> I, I want right. to get my park. I want to get my tax. So I can go to fucking Disney, right? <laughs> and, 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 it, it, and in the end, it's a it's a flag. It's just, it's nothing more than a Trojan horse to defund our public schools and, and allow them to have their religious schools and others. And it is a threat to the education system because it is everybody. Um, and, and you know, it's well, funny. Go ahead. You know, it's like if we, if you think education is expensive. Think about the cost of ignorance. <laughs> <laughs> That's it right there, isn't it? Well, I live in Missouri again. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, it, it is uh, It is a, a frustrating situation. And you guys have a, there's a battle there um, that is being raged at all levels of our government, which I'm sure is your future, right? Is as you think about, it, do you have a vision, uh, um, um, Annie, of, of how you're going to build from from that local level to the national level, what, what's going to be your first? I guess I should ask that question. I'm sure my viewers want to know where are you starting, right? Because like I was busting your chops a little bit at the beginning, like, oh yeah, not too ambitious an agenda. <laughs> it is an ambitious agenda. And the, okay. children, the children need an ambitious agenda. And I love ambitious agendas because I'm the, I'm the king of ambitious agendas as anyone knows me. <laughs> I'm always biting off more than I can chew, sort of my life. Um, so where do you start, Andy? Where do you start when you're eating the elephant, you've got an elephant, where do you envision yourself starting eating that elephant? Yeah, well, I'll say it's an ambitious agenda because Renee and I are two of the most amb ambitious people in the world. I have it's never gotten that from you. I have never such, noticed that. <laughs> we are in such an urgent moment in our nation's yeah. history for our children. Like, I used to joke on the campaign trail, like, you know, we've got the climate crisis. We've yep. got the gun violence, public health crisis. Oh, and that small issue of defending our democracy. Like, there are fires out there everywhere, yep. so we have to have a comprehensive agenda but the nuts and bolts of it is as a new organization and my, myself as a federal, a formal federal congressional candidate, we're planning on focusing on U.S. House races in the 24th cycle. Great. Um, we think that we need our children need a kid's first majority in Congress, and okay. that's where we're going to be focused. So we're looking to invest in candidates who are willing to put children's issues front and center because, you know, there's no money behind children in politics and that's what we're aiming to fix. And because of that, you can watch an entire excellent Democratic candidate run an entire campaign and almost never talk about kids. Right. And as we've already addressed, you can watch Republican candidates talk about kids in their political games and harm children. So children mm -hmm. need a voice. We want to lift up those champions of children and there should never be a debate. There should never be a town hall where children's issues are not front and center because they are 100% of our future. And how can we not all agree that we need to fight for what's best for them? So in the 2024 cycle, we'll be looking at US House candidates. I love it. and. And you just nailed something very key too. Is 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 uh, the Gen Zers and all are are part of the vote. There, there's it's good politics mm -hmm. too, right? I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a politico. I'm an operative myself. That's my background. And so for me, what I hear is good politics, right? The fact is, we have a very active youth generation. Uh, I, I, I my friend Victor Shi, I was on a show last week. Uh, Victor points out. I mean, I, I think I saw the statistic uh, was 87 percent turnout in the ward around the University of Wisconsin for the Supreme Court race, right? And so you're seeing stratospheric numbers of Gen Z involvement. So for uh, for you all, your timing is good, I think, in a lot of ways that, that children is the issue and, and encouraging, our, especially our progressive candidates. But let's be honest, we, we need our Republican candidates to do it right too. But mm -hmm. our progressive candidates to be to take it seriously and hear and and listen. And, and, and so it's it's not just good policy for America, right? But there's also good politics here. When you say, Renee, I mean, you, you've been on a campaign, Renee, you've been on Annie's campaign, you know, it's good politics, what you're suggesting, right? Very good politics. And I also think that that is Annie's messaging 
on children throughout the campaign is really what made us um, so successful in fundraising. Um, that was the message that everybody, you know, bought into and really wanted to hear. And if you can't trust a pediatrician, you can't trust anybody. I mean, you know, if, if you don't trust a pediatrician to lead. There's nobody that you should trust to lead. Damn, I know kids, right? <laughs> you know, I've raised, I've raised four. I got some grandkids. I'm positive. You know more than I. I'm still figuring that shit out. That that's fantastic. And 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 circling to that, that political part of that, you know, one of your pillars is democracy and the voting rights issue. You know, Gen Z is pissed. You know, just last week uh, we caught Cleta Mitchell, um, Lauren Windsor. God bless Lauren Windsor and her undercover operations. She caught Cleta Mitchell at a GOP donor retreat saying to the donors that they need to roll back voting at college campuses. They need to, they need to close, they flat out said, we need to close the voting booths at college campuses. So, so the Republican Party has made a very clear decision that the way they're going to capture Gen Z is to fucking block them from voting, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and yeah. so this, the democracy fight, the voting rights fight is one I think you'll find a lot of allies in uh, and one that's, again, good politics, right? So how do you take that on? I mean, what are your key priorities in, the, on, on, in your democracy pillar, and your voting rights pillar? Yeah, and I think people often say, well, how is that a children's issue? And my answer to that question is, if we fail to pass down a democracy to our children, then that is probably the biggest failure we can imagine. So I see that as one of the most urgent issues facing our kids. And, you know, our agenda is really straightforward. It's expanded access to voting for eligible voters. It's, um, you know... It's increased access to the polls through early voting for through mail-in ballots. Let's make election day a national holiday. Like, but again, we're so far off the rails on the other side where they're trying to close down voting booths on college campuses because they don't have any good ideas. So the only way to win is to prevent people from voting. Um, You know, we just have to right this ship and not allow the right to continue to um, dismantle our voting rights. And our children are watching us. Our children are learning about the birth of our democracy in their classrooms, hopefully, or at least part of the story. Like it is our duty to preserve that so that then like they have a democracy to live in and vote in when they grow up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think you, you you get to a lot of it. And Gen Z is watching. I know my own Gen Zers that I, I've got. Um, I've got an interesting little makeup with my kids. Two of them are millennials. Two of them are Gen Zers. <laughs> and, and, and it's a remarkable difference in their political awareness and, and they're being plugged into what's happening and feeling feeling the danger that they see. And that's why we see the protests at the Tennessee Three protests in, in, uh, in, in Tennessee and elsewhere. Um, I think you're absolutely right. That's going to be a key pillar for you to do. But underneath a lot of this, I think, is the climate change agenda, right? And and mm-hmm. and I think there's a healthcare aspect to that, right? You know, I mean, there there's there's an aspect of the climate change. It's been fascinating to me. Again, my my little I, I call it my. Uh, my focus group of two, my two kids, uh, uh, in my focus groups, uh, you know, you know, I got to sound like a real political operative. I've got my focus group. Uh, I had dinner with my kids. We were drinking gin. Um, but with my focus group, uh, they're very aware of climate change. We, we, we are literally hearing kids, uh, a younger generation and then even younger and, the, and truly our children, some of them young teenagers saying, I'm not, I don't want to have kids in this. I don't want to have kids in an environment where it's changing. We've got torrential thunderstorms rolling through as Matt and I sit here. Um, there is true change occurring here. How does the climate change blend agenda fit in and, and how, are you, how do you address that towards children? I, I, I guess, Renee, I haven't talked to you in a while. Well, it's actually, this is like perfect timing. I I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before, but we just recently were, um, Annie and I were together and we got a news alert and it was, 
you know, Charleston, South Carolina added to the list of most vulnerable cities due to oh, climate change super. because of flooding. I mean, we are we don't need rain here. We don't need a storm. We don't need a downpour. We need, uh, you know, full moon, high tide and our city is underwater. Um, and ironically enough, uh, that has real impacts to healthcare because our hospital floods. Right. I mean, it's just, it's, it's insane, but you know, we have this, uh, representative of this district that seems to believe that the science isn't settled here. Right. Um, and I don't know, uh, she's clearly not been to the peninsula where, uh, the, the area that she represents because we have a, we have a full moon and a high tide and we're, we're underwater. Yeah. So, and kids are aware kids at a young age are aware of this, right? Andy, I'm sure you've had these conversations. I'm curious, you know, it does, it doesn't, we're seeing a rise in chronic illnesses. We're seeing a rise in, in allergic allergies. We're seeing a rise in, well, we just had a pandemic. Um, no one's ever tried to tie the pandemic to climate change, but clearly the world is changing. It's offering mm -hmm. the opportunity for viruses. Maybe you didn't face before in the healthcare system, but it's actually, it's affecting our children, right? The children are growing up in unhealthy places. They're, the children are growing up faced with diseases we didn't face. And then of course, when you get started about the, anti-vaccine movement I and mean, you as a healthcare provider annie i mean do you see a tie into climate change and is it is it is the alarms ringing like like they should be or it just feels like this younger generation does have the alarms ringing in their heads yes and i think that like i don't want to rely on the next generation to figure this out but the truth is like renee just said like our quote unquote i'm using air quotes here <laughs> moderate republican representative from oh, this Jesus. district is a climate science denier yeah. and she's a, a moderate so she claims. So we are, again, so far off the rails on that side that we just need to come back to the table. We need the science to inform our policy. And so many folks up in D.C., you know, their pockets are lined by the oil and gas industry. And that's where the policy come from, so it comes from. And you mentioned that our kids get it. Like literally last night, my eight year old son, I threw a receipt in the trash and he was like, Mom, you should put that in the recycling We've got to take care of the earth. It's like our children understand because it's pretty obvious that things aren't going so great from a climate standpoint. And we are vulnerable here in Charleston, but there is nowhere in this country or on this earth that is, you know, safe from the effects of climate change. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that ties into the last topic I hit, you know, the rising of hunger, the rising of poverty in our community. We, we still have a huge economic change. Uh, a huge difference, I suppose, uh, it, it, amongst our population, that one of the most well-off countries in the world, we still fight hunger and poverty here in the United States. It does mm -hmm. undermine all the things. We, I think almost everything, it's funny, we talk about climate change being a, a pillar. So many of the issues you guys bring to the fore in your efforts are tied together. But it feels like hunger and poverty is a driving force for so many. And and and, and there is no one speaking for those who can't. There's Like you said, it's... Uh, we say it a lot. There's, there's no, there's no lobbyists for people who are poor, right? There's no lobbyists mm -hmm. for people who are hungry. Uh, it's mm -hmm. on us to find that, find that. Fact. How do you address hunger and poverty in the United States, and and how do you get congressional candidates and leaders to address this and take it seriously? We got to understand. We got, people need to understand what it actually looks like to meet a child who doesn't know where their next meal is going to come from, right. and how common that is in all of our communities, and how heartbreaking it is. And we shouldn't rely on these small private foundations and grants to feed our children. And there's a really obvious solution that could have an immediate positive impact on the rates of child poverty in this country because we already tried it and it worked. It's expanding the child tax credit. Right. And that's exactly what we need to do to lift these struggling families out of poverty. 
I love it. And it's a simple, easy policy solution that any candidate should be able to support, especially a progressive candidate. We need to, we need to, we need to support and, and elect those who do. Well, I, you know, I, I, we've talked for a little bit and, and I want to give you a chance to, to talk about your priorities too is, but at the same time, there's a lot of really tough stuff we just talked about, right? I mean, that's, these are, these are issues. You guys have decided to take on some very tough issues in our society, in our country. Um, but I also have this weird, it's a running joke here, but I have this weird optimism streak in spite of 20 years in the army and, being in the politics <laughs> for some reason i can't explain it i actually am still weirdly optimistic about things i'm not sure it's probably the drugs but having said that <laughs> thank you doctor no um i do believe we can do this i do believe we can make a difference um what can people do i mean, what can i tell my i have a lot of listeners and thanks to our minus touch network friends we have a lot of folks who want to listen uh and they're very active i found our audience on minus touch especially is very very they want to, they fucking want to change the world, man. So, so how can they help you? I mean, how can the average person make a difference? Is there a place? I know you're just getting started on your side, but what can average people do from showing up the fucking school board? What, what else can they do in your, in your eyes, guys? They can go to theirfutureourvote.org and uh, donate to what we're doing. We can't do any of this if we don't raise money. Yeah. Um, so I think that our primary focus right now is fundraising. Um, yeah, and I mean, that's the problem. Like, the, I learned that in the campaign. Anybody who's been on the inside of politics understands that you can have the best intentions of the world. You can be the most informed expert showing up in, you know, our representatives' offices. But if you don't also come with political muscle, which in the United States of America equals money, then your agenda is not going to be a priority. So yeah. we want to make these issues a priority for our lawmakers. We want to use these issues as a way to bring more people into politics to understand why their vote matters. Yeah. But we cannot do that without people supporting us financially, because to bring money to D.C., people have to bring money to our organization. Yeah. And we are not in this for self-promotion. Like we said at the beginning, like there's a lot of other things all of us could be doing that make us have much more comfortable lifestyle. But I am so driven by this mission. I am also very optimistic and hopeful that like we can move this needle. We can turn this tide and our, we should not wait for Gen Z to do all the heavy lifting. This is an opportunity um, if people invest in us for us to change that conversation in D.C. And and the thing is, you guys, God bless you. It's an off year, which is always a pain in the ass, as you know. I mean, it's tough. And for our viewers, you know, a lot of our viewers don't understand that the wrench turn that goes behind the scenes in, in politics. So I'll tell you, because I've, I don't know, you may have heard, I've been involved in some PACs. <laughs> A little one, a little one, uh, and and even even a big pack like the Lincoln Project and an off year is tough, right? Folks are tired. They're tired of talking about politics. They're tired of them. They've been getting they get ninety six fucking emails a day. I, I you know and, and and I know can I always used to be involved. I was like eighty emails a day. When they're burned out, uh, and we all get that. But I can tell you for folks who are just kind of tuning in that it is a necessary, this is the building time, right? This is a time where an organization like our future, um, their future, our vote is, is building the, as I mentioned, getting this ship in the water, outfitting with the cannons, but for them to have the cannons they need when the battle is joined, say next fall, they got to buy the cannons now, <laughs> right? And so I, I always encourage folks like, yeah, look, it's the off year, I get it, maybe, but I'm positive that you went to their website and you dropped five, ten dollars you got on the email list, and then you can hear from them with their emails, telling you what they're up to, right? Follow them on social media. Uh, you know, maybe later when you've got a little bit more money and you're kind of tired, when you start seeing the candidates they're bringing to the table, you want to invest in them, those candidates. But so I would encourage you if you're if you're watching, you're listening, 
just give it a shot. Toss them five bucks. It's it's nothing. It's your chump change at, at Starbucks. It's like not even a whole damn cup of coffee at Starbucks, <laughs> you know, because it, it's a huge difference maker when you're just, especially an organization like this, like their future is just getting off the ground. And I know people are hesitant, you know, it doesn't have to be a monthly, but whatever, just I guarantee you that if you invest in them and and you follow them along and, and it'll be worth your investment because this is the thing, especially a new organization like this. But it comes from something reputable, so that's why I'm hanging. <laughs> you know, I like, so so um what's next for you guys? You just you just got this thing in the ship in the water in a, a week ago, right? Uh, you you're, like, so you're tricking the cans out. What what's what's your next steps as you go forward, guys? So yeah, we're um, doing a lot of media to Yay, get the word thanks out. For joining us. Um, we are we're trying to raise money. We're spending a lot of time trying to be really strategic about how to bring money in the door because money leads to more money. Yeah. We are talking to you know a lot of our old campaign supporters here in our community, yep. trying to understand you know which of these issues are really driving folks today because I think. That will be re- really important as we decide on our messaging as we, you know, lead into the election year. So we're working really hard every day to build this thing. It is uh, maybe the second hardest thing I've ever done, aside from, you know, birthing three children. Yeah, I can see um, But it has already been incredibly rewarding, and we are, like, ridiculously optimistic and hopeful. And I just, I want people to understand that if they choose to invest in us, that we will make them proud. I used to say that on the campaign trail, like no one will work harder than us. We will make folks proud with the messaging we put out there, with the candidates we support. And, you know, rather than being reactionary every time something bad happens, every time there's a another school shooting or some other horrific thing in the news, like let's be proactive and, you know, get started now get started today because our kids again are watching us and they are depending on us yeah i had chris jones on the show from arkansas i ran for uh, governor against sarah huckabee and and chris said i loved his framework of it because look you know everybody in arkansas he's telling me it's gonna be a 10-year project to rebuild the democratic party goes well and they say we just don't we can't do it right now (laughs) he's like well it's gonna be fucking 12 years (laughs) you know yeah so the bottom line is if it, it, it it starts today right we start now we start investing now we start building now we start building the policy policy platforms you want to build, meeting the candidates you want to run who have the kids in mind and, and do it and then take back the Congress, the House in two years, mm-hmm. et cetera. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. It is about starting today. So with that, um, where do we find you guys? Um, what's the best place to hunt you down on the Internet, on the, on the social media places? They took away our blue checks today, so that's fine. <laughs> or last week, I suppose. <laughs> it's fine. Um, so there's me all kinds of break fed women. But so where do we find you guys? So our website is theirfuturearvote.org. We are on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. So I'm Annie Andrews, MD, on Twitter and on Instagram. We are theirfutureourvote on Instagram. We are their underscore underscore future on Twitter. And then I'm on Instagram at h.reneeharvey. And then on Twitter at hreneeharvey. So since... Uh, they don't allow dots. <laughs> yeah, what's up with that? We'll put those up on screen. Matt will put those up on screen for us. <laughs> okay. Well, wonderful. And and your website again? It's theirfutureourvote.org. Theirfutureourvote.org. And you got the whole meal deal going. You got the pack. You got the C3, C4. You're going, you're, you're going at it in every direction. I think you compared it when we first talked about an AARP for kids, right? It's it, the fact that yeah. there's an organization. Mm-hmm. It's uh, you know, that's that's how you see this, right? That's your vision for this, isn't Annie? Like that, that sort yes. of a, that sort of juggernaut. You're not just building a one-off. You're not building a clickbait, right? You're not doing clever ads. Your vision is a long-term fight 
uh, as a juggernaut. Is that, is that correct? That's exactly right. This isn't just to kill time until I decide to run again. Like this is our mission and it is exactly what we're trying to build is an AARP for kids. And when I frame it that way, even when I explained it that way to my own dad, he was like, oh my gosh, yes. How is there not something like that already? And so that is exactly what we are trying to build. That is an incredibly powerful political organization and we're trying to build the same thing for kids. That's what we are going to build. That's what we are going to build, yes. Well, that's, I think a lot of us are eager to find someone who's not, like you said, Annie, I love your honesty. I, I really respect your honesty. Like, oh, I'm not just doing this to kill time to my next race. And so many of our, our friends do that, of course, and, and that's fine. But but I do respect the idea that it has to be more than just a one term. It's more than one cycle. It's not the next cycle. It's not today's issues. What you're trying to do is larger and longer. And and, and I think that is worth investing in for those who are considering investing in it. Um, I certainly feel that way. Um, because again, there are no big, powerful lobbyists to say they want to spend money on kids. So hopefully there will be. Hopefully, hopefully our friends are the places that should be, the places that with names like Johnson and Johnson or the places like that make things like Pampers should say, you know what? Kids matter. And it's the kind of place I want to invest in. So I hope you get their ear and, and uh, I hope our friends that are listening to the show and or watching it on Midas can, uh, can help support you. That would be I mean the world to me for, for taking our time together. I, that was a great conversation guys. I really appreciate your time. I know you're really busy trying to save the world and <laughs> navigate a ship out of Charleston Harbor. <laughs> you know, I, I get it. Uh, I really appreciate your time. I, I'm so glad you're able to kind of fit us in here as you get, get, get going. So uh, until we meet again, I, please reach out again, followers, Friends, listeners, make sure you support this organization. Thank you. Thanks so for much, having Fred. us, Fred. Appreciate it. Man, another great conversation. Uh, uh, a little bit different, right? So it is so interesting to me as I prepare for the show and to talk about the issues they're facing and how many of our issues in our country just go directly to the challenges that children face. I used to see this a lot. Uh, I was a veterans advocate in my previous life. And so many issues for veterans are American issues. PTSD is an American issue, right? Uh, lost limbs and needing, needing care for lost limbs is an American issue. Lots of people get hurt. So in many ways, I see these issues, anything we talk about education, obviously, but we talk about healthcare, we talk about climate change. These are tied to our children. And it was shocking to me to see that no one had taken up their arms saying, look, we're going to talk about, we're talking from the kids angle and a, a, a laser focus on how these decisions we're making as adults and as politicians and, and parents affect the kids of our nation. So, so I just love it. Make sure you look, check out their website. Of course, as always, you, 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 you've heard, we're now on the Midas Touch Network. Uh, if you're finding our show for the first time, you can actually find all of our past episodes on, on our YouTube channel, which is the On Democracy podcast. A great way to hang out with us is our, the On Democracy podcast. Substack. It's fpwellman.substack.com. The reason that's a great place to hang out, that's because, for example, we do the show usually on Wednesday or Thursday. Matt here processes it. It goes out Thursday. So if you're on our Substack, I'll send you an email on Thursday night or Friday morning with the latest episode. So you'll get ahead of everybody else who is going to be on the Minus Touch Network getting on a Friday night. So if you want to get a little sneak peek of what's going on and some background, for example, I'll link to their website. I'll link to their bios. You can see some of the articles we were talking about. I referenced a few articles. I'll put those in the newsletter. So, so you get a fuller picture of this conversation if you join our Substack community, which is free right now. Most of the most of stuff will be free. It'll be a paywall eventually. It's not very big because it's Substack. With Twitter pulling our blue checks, a lot of cool people on Substack now. they got their own notes app. So I, I'm plugging it hard because I think it's a wonderful place to add to this conversation and be a part of our community. Again, it's fpwellman.substack.com. Uh, as, uh, it's, it's a great place. We just did a piece last week on the, the horrifying tapes in Tennessee and Oklahoma. So it, there's a lot in there. So I hope you'll join us there. I've got a lot of cool stuff coming. As always, you can still find me at fpwellman on Twitter. I haven't quit yet. I got lost my blue check, but I ain't going anywhere for now. 
Uh, I really love you to follow my Instagram page. I have a lot of fun on my Instagram page. Lots of pictures of me hiking, and and that's FP Wellman official on Instagram. You can find all the shows as I mentioned, the On Democracy Pod on Twitter, and the On Democracy Podcast on YouTube. We are available on all of your favorite apps, right? So Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon. I don't know, Buzzsprouting. Some weird ones I've never heard of. We're everywhere. <laughs> We're out there. If you got audio, you want to walk with us, you know, it's a great little walk. I mean, you get like almost an hour. It's a perfect three-mile walk. Take us for a walk. In the meantime, I always want to thank our friends. We're in the, we're in a place called Half Coast Studios, owned by our friends at Vi Media. Vi Media is a great digital marketing partner. They've been our sponsor from day one. Uh, they, they brought me in the studio and said, hey, we're going to sponsor you. They're like, great, I'm in. And so it's vie.media. They are a digital marketing partner for any kind of business. They're growing fast. I'm real proud to work with them right here in St. Louis, Missouri. It's vie.media. I'm so thankful to our friends at Midas Touch Network to make a part of the family of Midas Touch. Thrilled to have you, the Midas Mighty, as some of our, our, our followers and our fans. It's such a privilege to be a part of a community that's so passionate about our democracy. I'm thrilled, 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 and privileged to be here on this show talking to you about it every week. I hope you'll join us again next week. Again, I am Fred Wellman. This is On Democracy with F.P. Wellman. I look forward to seeing you next week.